This is the Dirt Reporters podcast for the week of October 25th, the final full week of Pumpkin Month as we head into Turkey Month next. Uh, I'm your host, E. Suave, Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Todd Turner, and Kyle McFadden. And Kovac, love or hate the Final Four, love or hate the track conditions, all I know is we are going to be talking about the 2023 Dirt Track World Championship for a long, long time. It got the social media buzzing. I'm sure the you know the excitement at the track was pretty chaotic. Just recap here. RTJ breaks early. Tyler Carpenter passes Hudson O'Neill. Shirley has mechanical troubles. Huddy gets a flat and puts five extra gallons of fuel through this feature. Sheppy goes elbows up, leads the final 41 laps. JD breaks. Moran comes out of nowhere. Huddy passes Moran in the final lap all while B-Shep runs out of fuel going to the checkered flag. But he wins his fifth Dirt Track World Championship. So many damn storylines. So much chaos. A lot to digest. Kovac, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when we're going to talk about this 2023 Dirt Track World Championship? Because a lot of the things I broke down in that feature – could be main big-time storylines, and some of them might even crack the top 10, what we saw Sunday night. So I'll let you decide, what are you going to talk about, about this crazy, fanatic Dirt Track World Championship? Well, I think that you actually probably forgot a couple of things, too. I think there's so many things that happened, you can't even, like, mention them all. Um, but, get, well, first thing I do rem- will remember always about this was how long we were there and not really uh, seeing much. We just, it was like, it was like a weekend that would never end. We come back to Eldora and like it started, L- let me put it this way. Mark Richards and some other, I'm sure, I know Mark Richards had left a shop with that hauler on Tuesday, uh, like late afternoon, got there by about nine o'clock and to get in line when they couldn't even late bottles, couldn't even get into the pits until Friday, actually. But he was there on Tuesday night. So he like, uh, figured it out. Like I was like 120 hours. He was there by the time that race was over on Sunday night. Uh, we weren't there quite as long. Uh, everyone else wasn't there quite as long, but still seemed like a long time. Uh, just waiting for this rain to like totally clear out and let us, get going without having to look at a radar for a little while. Uh, that's, that's going to be number one. I mean, like, I can't, I can't think of anything else like that. Anything other than to say just because so much, uh, um, uh, you know, we were, we were just there a long time. We got to eat some good meals though. Right. Todd, we did, we did get to, um, you know, we had to actually go out and eat a couple times that were well, that was good. And rather than just getting some, uh, slice of pizza at the very interesting, uh, mini Mart in, uh, in Salina, Ohio. <clears throat> but other than that, um, I, I think I saw someone on face on, not, uh, it was either Facebook or, or Twitter, one or the other. It was, a someone made a post and, and just says about the race. They goes, I can't tell, I can't figure out if I think that was the best race ever or the worst race ever or best race of the year or worst race of the year. It was like, well, it was hard to gauge because, hey, you, just looking at it, you had eight different leaders or whatever it was, and you had, uh, which probably no other race is going to have that many all year. You had guys coming from the back. You had got 
Hudson O'Neill pitted twice for flat tires and comes back through. And um, I mean, it didn't matter where you started. You were going to be able to move up to the front, especially if you wanted to brave the up, up top there in the, in the brave, in the, in the rough conditions. Um, and they had a great, uh, unbelievable finish with the race and the championship basically coming together there. Uh, with uh, Hudson passing Devin Moran in the last lap for the championship. And there very nearly both of them almost ran over uh, Shepard because he was slowing down with the, you know, being out of gas. And, but then there was only uh, seven cars left on the track, six on the lead lap, I believe. And uh, you know, another, I think it was Brian Liver, Liverman from uh, Mason Ziegler's crew had come back because man, that was one heck of a heat race finish, you know, like, cause there was only so many. And so it's like, you can't, do you, See, it's one of the best races ever when you have barely anybody finish. It was such an attrition-filled 12-caution race. But then you have all that excitement, too. So I, whoever, I, I'm not even sure who wrote that that I saw on social media, but I think they pegged it pretty well. It, it, was, it was definitely hard to, hard to, like, you know, put that in one box, this race. Yeah, kudos to uh, the crews, the drivers, the fans. Uh, the you know flow racing uh, broadcast team the reporters just to the weather the storm of that marathon we finally get it in uh, Saturday night which by the way 90 minutes prior when they were going to cancel after the seal block B mains they were planning on you know postponing it until after that B main and of course we had that nasty flip and everybody's like well about time they cancel it they were gonna you know postpone it so I want to give Eldora credit to make the decision it was just kind of like bad timing when we had that nasty flip there to end Saturday night. Uh, Todd Turner, when they decided to go with this Final Four run, this is exactly what you wanted, right? You wanted drama. Obviously, it was an expense of Ricky Thornton Jr. early in the race. It was the expense to Jonathan Davenport towards the middle, later part of the race. But we had a freaking close photo finish nearly for the championship between Hudson O'Neill and Devin Rand. That was the reason they kind of went to this Final Four format, to have that late race drama that we see, you know, People are going to say NAS crap, but in the NASCAR stage, it was. I mean, I was on my feet staying and going crazy. I'm sure a lot of people were as well. That, but that's the reason they went to the Final Four format. Well, I, I, you can see them sitting around the room when they were thinking about this, thinking about, well, think about how the last lap of the last race could be. And I don't think they could have ever come up with this scenario <laughs> that happened where, where the two guys are not only battling for the title, but uh, – uh, battling for the win, as it turns out, uh, with uh, Shepard there running out of fuel. Uh, I mean, it was crazy, and it certainly changed the dynamics of the race um, because if those four guys would not have been so intent on trying to outrun the other, they probably would have uh, approached the race a little bit differently. Definitely Davenport was run more conservative. Moran, uh, you know, Moran, you know, he wanted to be there around at the end, and, and at some point it was clear being around at the end uh, was going to mean you were going to be in a relatively small number of cars. Um, yeah. I, 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 and I kind of, you kind of do this sometimes with points and such, but this was one of those races where you're paying attention to what happened up front, but trying to keep track of these four guys as well and what's <laughs> going on there. So it made it, uh, it made it just constantly kind of like you're kind of recalculating throughout your, uh, throughout the race, what, what was happening and what all this meant. And as Kevin said, what is this, is this really great or is this just crazy or what? It's, it's really kind of hard to wrap your head around while we were watching it. I mean, I know it was, 
um, we had all of us remotely and on site and everything. Right. You know, we had everybody had their fingers in it, uh, trying to kind of help uh, because it certainly was a lot to uh, a lot to, to kind of digest in a quick amount of time. I mean, even the drivers in Victory Lane, you could tell it was a little bit. It's like, yeah, we're celebrating Shepard for winning this, but we're Shepard celebrating O'Neill. Is just so so much going on. It was, uh, as I said before, kind of sensory overload. So kind of a, a crazy, uh, a crazy way and unpredictable, even for the Lucas Oil guys who hoped this would be something so exciting. Uh, hard to imagine how it ended like it did. How many times do you have to switch your headline throughout that event? Like, oh, you're going to say Pierce is going to win his first dirt track, <laughs> followed by like, you know, JD winning. Like you probably had to switch it a couple of times, hit that delete button a few times. <laughs> Well, this, is, this isn't one where you're writing the story too far ahead. Uh, uh, after, <laughs> after about 40 laps when you have so many guys leading and so many other things apparently going to happen, yeah, you kind of had to uh, let it uh, let it play out, obviously, to the very, to the very, very last second of the race. It kind of reminded me, Kyle McFadden, like an SEC championship football game, a slobber knocker versus like Georgia, Alabama, where like, as Todd alluded to, and like victory lane, just everybody was like exhausted. It'd be like, Especially with Hudson and uh, Devin, like, man, we finally survived this just war of attrition type battle. You were at home watching it on, on line. A lot of people were. I was because I had to go home just with a family thing happening. Uh, just what was your take on it, just watching it from your living room? Because it, it, it was pretty pretty dramatic and a lot of things unfolded. And it, before you know it, it was over, like Todd said. Yeah, when I was, you know, when you make the football – analogy and when i also saw that facebook post kevin too of like i don't know if if this is the greatest race ever or, or like one of the worst races ever but in terms of football i don't know if 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 that race was equivalent to like a 65 to 62 game in football or or a 10 to 7 game in football or like a 7 to 3 game in football you know just just how crazy it was and 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 um just like i was writing that race race uh story for the um race wire and i'm just like okay like how are we gonna write this you know and and uh and uh that was probably like like you can say like whatever you want about the big four and the championship format and all that but like let's face it uh it did what it was intended to do. And so, um, I mean, we've had how many podcasts now, just like talking about this four or five, at least this year, I think of, of we, we talked about this race, right? So like, Hey, like, I mean, I don't think there's been a podcast, you know, subject for us this year, at least a talking point. Um, that's even come close to this race. So it's, it's come, if I'm like, you know, Lucas Oil and Rick Schwally and, and all them, like, and this is coming from me who hasn't been on board with, with the format really since the beginning, like, hey, like, bravo to them. Like, they created one of the most riveting, entertaining events in Dirt Lake Model history. I mean, uh, we'll be talking about this race and this isn't hyperbole we'll be talking about this race for the rest of time and so i don't know if they're going to bring it back next year i don't even think if they know 
if they're going to bring it back next year. But, um, you know, you, you, if you weren't entertained, uh, by Sunday's race, then like, are you any fun at all? Like, I mean, that's, that's, that's just kind of my take on it. So, yeah. Kovac, you helped us with the post-race interviews with Tyler Burnett. What was just the final four mood after the race? Because, you know, you put your whole season on the line for this. You have, like, this final championship-type uh, battle. I'm sure, like, Devin Moran, he was probably thrilled. I know he lost at the end, but, you know, he you gained two spots. We didn't get to talk to Ricky Thornton Jr. afterwards, but he's made a couple posts. But what was just, like, the sense of their race team's mood? How was JD's mood? Obviously, Hudson was ecstatic. He had a – you know, he had a great interview as well. It was just like the overall mood of the pit area after it was all said and done and the checkered flags and the troop rule was all passed and all that. Well, there was a lot of relief. I think everyone, like I said before, where everybody was there so long to finally get to race and get it over with. Uh, and it was a, it was a long race too, an hour and 17 minutes. I think that lasted with all the cautions and the mayhem going on. Uh, but, you know, obviously, Hudson, very happy. He would like talk to him on the stage afterwards. And, you know, he, he was, you know, just ecstatic. I mean, he had no, go ahead, go ahead, Derek. And Derek's on mute. So we'll have to, um, I was going to say with Hudson O'Neill, with Hudson O'Neill, he only completed 99 laps and put five gallons of fuel that helped him win the race, which I don't think you could ever really say either. <laughs> Uh huh. Well, yeah. Well, some people say he was a lap down. Yeah, he was a lap down, but he got his lap back. So, uh, I mean, I guess technically under green, he didn't complete a hundred laps. You know, if you want to take it that way, because you go back around. But that's the rules, and uh, they did. Uh, I mean, the lucky dog has been there for a, quite a while now, too. You know, it, it's it's nothing new. Um, you know, luckily that I think is in the last ten laps, you don't get the lap back though. You just go to the rear. So luckily, it wasn't that late in the race that uh that that caution came out to get him back in the lead lap. Um, but otherwise, Devin Moran, I talked to him like actually in the middle of turns one and two. I went over there and he had been out there with Vinny Giuliani, uh, just kind of checking the track out afterwards. And uh, you know, and it was it was very there was a lot of canyons and pieces of uh, just chunks of uh. Of, of, of wet clay and, and mud there. Uh, and they were looking at that and I talked to him there. So in the whole weekend, Devin was sort of, uh, you know, he, he was just loose. He just, I think during the press conference on Friday, uh, when the top four guys came in the media center, I mean, Devin was the guy cracking kind of some jokes. He got the most, uh, you know, comic relief he was in there because he was that last guy in, you know, he, he sneaks in on that last race. I mean, he had a great finish to get it of the season to, to get himself in position. And, and he finally gets in that top four in the last race. Everybody's kind of, you know, like, Oh, he's the guy that's a thousand points back. So whatever he does, it's like gravy for him. And he ended up going from fourth, uh, which would have been a hundred thousand dollars to second, to hundred fifty thousand dollars would have loved the 200,000, but he was there. It was a pretty good consolation prize for him uh, considering he would have been fourth in a, in a regular points. Um, and then J JD, you know, he had done what he really needed to do after Ricky Thornton goes out uh, and then Hudson's having problems and, and Devin had fallen way back. He'd fallen out of the top 10 to try to save his stuff. And here's uh, his JD, like pretty much top five the whole time. He even poked his nose up into the lead early. Uh, and he was just pacing himself. This was not the normal Eldora that he likes. That's for sure. Uh, he does not like a racetrack that's, uh, you know, rough like that. 
he stayed out of trouble as best as he could and then still got bit by it. His, his Eldora luck uh, kind of went away a little bit when he, you know, Mud Clod got the radiator in the fan. So uh, that was uh, that was it for him. So, But he accepted it. He, he, he kind of know, hey, this wasn't the normal Eldora. And then you have uh, Ricky Thornton, who, uh, of course, he wasn't over there when we went over to, to find him for an interview. He did not hang around very long. It was a very long day for him. He hit that rut, got into Jimmy Owens, messed up that right front suspension of his car. And Anthony Burroughs, we did talk to him, the, the crew chief. And Anthony said that if they had another lap, maybe they would have been able to get that car better, like, you know, for more competitive, not just him running around out there, you know, you know, five, you know, five laps down, 10 laps down. And of course, I think it was ended up being 14 at the end. Uh, he ended up top 10 though. If those guys would have fallen out. They would have had, if Hudson and Moran would have had some incident with about 20 to go right after JD went out, it could have been the, the win. The champion still could have been uh, Thornton, but he is of course going to be the most upset. Uh, no matter what he would, he, you know, yeah, he kept talking earlier, earlier about how, he he understood the rules. This is the way, this is what they, you know, knew was going to happen when they started running the series. But the reality of it was definitely tough to take. And it's tough to take for anybody uh, uh, when you're that far ahead, that dominant all season, and you're not going to have that go home with that trophy. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you got $125,000. I mean, it matters, but it's not still not the consolation uh, that you, uh, you really, really want after that kind of heartbreak in the last race. And, Go back really quick. Just being at Eldora, what's all the crown jewels besides like a whole bunch of rain on the weekend? The track is normally smooth. It the chances of you breaking or something crazy happening go significantly down, significantly down when the track's normal for like you know the big race weekends there. So that's kind of like I think a lot of people just have a bad taste in their mouth with that fans or Ricky Thorne Jr. as well, just because the conditions they were dealt with, unfortunate with Mother Nature. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I think. Uh, I think I mentioned in fast talk this week, uh, you know, NASCAR does a chase thing and, and they have this top four guys, best finish wins in the finale. Uh, I guess it's at Phoenix this year, right? I guess it's been at Phoenix lately. Um, but you know, you know, when you do that, that's an asphalt track, you know, you're, you're no matter what, there's not going to, they're not going to just suddenly get ruts in the racetrack and the asphalt. Everyone is going to have, they can plan that, Hey, this is, this is what it's going to be. We have, it's, it's, it's pretty much, uh, that, that's one thing that's going to be even for everybody. Uh, there's not going to, you don't have to throw any, uh, you know, little wrinkles into that because of in this last race that could affect the championship. Uh, it's just how they run this, you know, with a dirt track race. And that's what I'm like. Uh, another thing I just, I'm not a big fan of a big Ford shootout like that to determine a champion in a one-off deal at the end of the year. It's October on top of being a dirt track, uh, just, just in general, you don't know what you're going to get every time. This could happen. You could have three days of rain and then you're running on this racetrack. That's, uh, you know, not gonna, it, it, it puts another factor in there that, uh, that could knock a guy out who has been so dominant all year. And, and, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's not the same as running on asphalt. And when you know what the condition that racetrack's going to be, uh, that's what, that's what's great about dirt track racing. Also, you, you get to run on uh, all kinds of different things, but that's why you have a whole season for, you know, one, one race is not going to be the determining factor. One race for everything. I mean, you have, if it, that happened, I, I'm sure there were rough tracks during the year. Uh, Ricky Thornton didn't finish as well as he wanted to, but 
you had a, another 40 or whatever, 50 races to make up for that. Uh, one race, you, you don't. Yeah, yeah. When everything's on that one, and it, it's just, that, that's, a, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, for sure. Uh, RTJ made a couple posts saying how proud he is of his team. Uh, he said uh, his cute post about when he got in the truck, his son Asher, I think, said that, Daddy, we're so proud of you. So that was a hell of a season for him. He's got a couple more races as well. Uh, we might, we'll circle back on the final four, but I feel like, Todd, this storyline is obviously getting overshadowed on the week of Freddie Smith passing away. Brandon Shepard ties Freddie Smith for his fifth Dirt Track World Championship. He's been in different cars at this race. He's been at different racetracks now, uh, different situations. Uh, I think it's his third team he's won with. Like, this is a this is still a pretty damn big deal. He won a hundred thousand dollars, and I feel like with just the championship, how the finish happened, like a lot of people are not giving Brandon Shepard enough credit. So just in the history perspective of the sport, to have five dirt track world championships, I mean, that's a Hall of Fame career in itself. Yeah, it's such a young age for him to you know because Freddie, you know, you look back at those pictures. Even when Freddie won his first dirt track world championship, he looked like a a middle-aged man, you know, here, here Brandon is still quite a young man with five victories already. Uh, no, no doubt it was kind of overshadowed. As I kind of talked about before, it's just hard to digest everything right. that's going on with, uh, uh, with a guy winning a race. You know, it's one thing to win a race. It's 10,000 to win and somebody else wins a title and everybody's excited. You kind of get that, but this one certainly is competitive. You had uh, five guys in the pits, either through points or through the win, got six-figure payday. So it's, uh, um, you know, Brandon, uh, I, I don't think, uh, you know, he's done it before. So I guess maybe in that way, it's a, it, it, it's a, that it was overshadowed, you know, that we weren't surprised that Brandon Shepard could win a DDWC. Uh, maybe that's part of it as well. But uh, obviously he did it in the conditions that faced everybody else and uh, was able to uh, um, overcome that more than anybody else. And also kind of a, a little bit of a preview for that team maybe, you know, or is this, right. you know, Brandon did not have the best of his seasons uh, going to Longhorn, but now uh, being in that house car for next year, uh, putting together Randall Edwards and having Rumley at his disposal and, and all of the resources Longhorn, Longhorn can throw in there. Um, yeah, this, uh, we may look back on this as, uh, as Brandon's true coming out party with the Longhorn deal, uh, even though he ran that car all year. And that's a six uh, six figure payday, you know, because first dirt track was still fifty thousand dollars. I think would that be second all time with you know six, you know six figure paydays, like in terms of like just winners purses. I know Blinkwitz would probably still be number one, but I think he'd be up there. Like if you're thinking about it, if I'm just thinking about it right yeah, now. I, yeah, I'd have to check into that, but it's definitely uh, he has the penchant for that for sure. Of course. Uh, We'll see uh, how many six-figure paydays show up on the schedule <laughs> right. next season and in the coming seasons. But, uh, uh, but yeah, Brandon, certainly at such a young age to have uh, lots and lots of zeros on the end of uh, some of the checks hanging on his walls. Yeah, Kyle, just the season wasn't how Shepard wanted, wanted it to be. Obviously, new car, new chassis, new race team. So to get an ending of a 2023 season with a big-time win, I know he's probably got a few other races left on the schedule because that kid just loves a race. I don't think he ever hardly takes a weekend off. That was, that was a big confidence booster heading into the end of the season and going into, you know, that new team next season. Uh, kudos to that race team. Yeah, totally. And um, I also think, too, you know, I did a story 
on uh, Brandon <clears throat> running Kevin Kevin Rumley's car after uh, the world, and um, you know both Kevin Rumley and Brandon Shepard were very pleased with what they came away with after the world, and so obviously that shows now and um, like whatever they found uh, five or six weeks ago in their uh, you know second trip to the Big E this year um, certainly paid off. So, um, and then like also too, like it's, I think it's so easy to overlook like just in racing. It's not necessarily like any other sport like basketball or football. Um, well, I mean like football is a good comparison too. It's, 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 it, it takes a little bit for um, a new team to, to a team that has obviously a lot of moving parts and pieces. I mean, like everything that Brandon Shepard ever knew with the rocket one team, uh, totally wiped that away other than just like sheer experience and uh, just himself as a more mature race car driver. I mean, obviously he'll take that with him wherever he goes, but in, terms of uh you know crew and uh dynamic on the road and who you're working with and chassis and and sponsors even and and um it's 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 all different and that takes time to get acclimated and so um i could i i see i think we all see now the fruit of brandon shepherd's decision to ultimately you know go in the direction he's headed and so what could next year bring? Well, like next year, I would imagine, well, no, they are signed up for Vado. And so, I mean, like next year for them is, is in two and a half months. So, um, and so like, I would imagine that they would carry this over on into next year and uh, that it's absolutely a preview and, and to have, uh, Randall Edwards back in his corner and Kevin Rumley and be the Longhorn chassis house car driver and have another track world championship. I mean, there's, there's, there's really only two other drivers right now that have more going for them. And that's Bobby Pierce and Ricky Thornton jr. And then obviously Hudson O'Neill um, is in that conversation too. So yeah, Brandon Shepard's back on, not necessarily on the very top of the sport, but he's certainly back into that top five, top four conversation. And uh, uh, that'll certainly, you know, launch him in the next year. Kovac, I know uh, Shepard, really quick. I know Shepard, besides his like last couple of years, he's made some splashes with some big time announcements, but I think he's okay not being like the front of the face of like the dirt check. I think, inside of him he's always caught quiet well-mannered kid he's like okay these guys can have the glory we'll kind of just take the back seat he's he's that type a little bit yeah he's fine he got 100 grand uh he was able to hold on it was very uh, nerve-wracking there considering his motor like pretty much was off like going through the final corners and and he barely made it to the fit that finish of the race but by the way i, I, I thought that was pretty the, the photo finished picture with uh brandon there on the outside and then you know, Hudson kind of cranked a little sideways trying to go below him, like half half car length up. That reminded me of when Brandon won the uh, the dream 
back in 2019, you know, when he he's crossing the line and Dale McDowell is right there. It's almost the same picture kind of uh, with the number one just in the different spots, you know. Uh, I thought that was pretty neat. Um, but, but, yeah, for, uh, it was it, – it's – yeah, he like Brennan Brennan Shepard doesn't need he doesn't want to get you know he doesn't need to be in the spotlight all the time he's fine uh, you know sharing that a little bit with um with, with Hudson O'Neill uh and his and his former car owner uh, you know uh, Mark Richards it, and I also wanted to mention just about becoming the five time dirt track world champion here the it was it was very you know uh, you know what a coincidence there that it's the same week that uh. Uh, that Freddie passes away and this how about this fact here though Freddie won his first uh, Todd talked about how he looked middle-aged you know like from the first time he started racing a car maybe I don't know but Freddie won his first uh, dirt track world championship in 1983 at Pennsborough he was 36 years old he won his last of the five in 1998 at that Thunder Ridge in Kentucky and he was 51 years old Brandon Shepard is 30 and he's won five. He's won years. he's won five dirt track world championships uh six years before Freddie was the age that he won his first one. That's pretty in, <laughs> incredible. I mean, yeah, of course, like Freddie didn't have the 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 dirt track world championship around when he was 20 years old. It didn't exist yet. So he didn't race it until he was in his mid-30s. But when you look at those those numbers, it's it's it is really interesting. And and also, uh, Freddie was riding with Shepard a little bit. There were two double. There was a double zero in his numbers. You look at you look at his B five on that race car. Uh, Kevin Rumley had put double zero on both. You know, Kevin Rumley never had. Uh, Freddie Smith never drove the Rumley car. Uh, uh, Kevin said, but obviously, Kevin and his father Leroy, they're from. Uh, you know, they're from uh, North Carolina. They saw Freddie Smith a lot. Kevin said, man, he was growing up. Freddie Smith was obviously the man in that area. If they were going to, whoever uh, that was driving the Rumley number six back in those days, if uh, they knew they were going to have to beat Freddie Smith somewhere, most likely. And, uh, and, and Freddie was, you know, knew, knew Kevin and knew uh, and Leroy Rumley. And so that made it, that was a little connection there. It wasn't uh, uh, something that, that you know that that total total uh, you know lifelong friendship or anything between Freddie and the in the Rumleys, but uh, being North Carolina, they are close in that in that respect. And, and uh, it was the first time that uh, the Rumley cars won the Dirt Track World Championship. Also, that Kevin was very happy about that to to say he can put that one and you know add that to their their list of victories. Yeah, cool that North Carolina guy. Looked up to Freddie Smith, battled Freddie Smith, his family in his house, or, you know, the house car. And then, obviously, Brandon Shepard tying the uh, late, great Freddie Smith. Uh, Todd and Kyle, let you guys go each. Just one more final thought or one more thing that caught your eye that we haven't talked about. Because, like we said, there was a lot of crazy storylines that we could have went through, but we don't have enough time in the day to talk about. So, really quick, anything else that caught your mind this past weekend before we get to one more thing? Todd, we'll go with you. I mean, I'll steal Tyler Carpenter from Kyle because I figured he'd want to talk about him. But, you know, Tyler was, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, kind of looked at as Eldora is not his thing and hasn't really run, fairly run there, Not certainly not run well. So for, for him to come from 17th to the lead, uh, you know, that, that was one of those storylines that, again, is overshadowed by all the other crazy stuff that happened. But, uh, but that was fun to see Tyler Carpenter do that. So I'll, I'll throw that out there as, as one of my uh, – uh, one of the things I'll remember about that—that that was exciting. I guess uh, he lost his power steering or power steering pump broke or something. 
and, and knocked him out of contention. But uh, but nice to see Tyler. You know, he's the gateway, uh, the gateway's favorite son. But uh, maybe he'll have something else at Eldora uh, uh, in the years to come. Yeah, he got uh, West Virginia Nation fired up when he passed all those cars. It kind of reminded me of Gateway, just bigger, rough, and he was just getting through those holes like it was pretty easy. He was he was a man on a mission. On mission, unfortunately, you know the Heartbreak Hotel for him, but he was uh, very pumped up and excited uh, after that. Uh, Kyle, how about you? Yeah, well, I, I was pretty floored by the fact that there were fourteen different drivers in the top five on Sunday. I mean, that's that's half the field had made their way into the top five at some point in that race. And so um, I'll just go back to just like putting a bow on this whole thing. Like, I don't think like, as Todd mentioned, as well, I remember the story. I was told the full story as to how this all came to be like this was, I believe, Wayne Castleberry's idea it all started with him and a conversation he had with uh rick schwally last fall or winter and and uh i don't think that well like this is what they intended for right just uh all this all this all this uh just talk and i don't want to say hype because hype has has a stigma to it sometimes but i mean certainly like so much excitement had, you know, generated around this race and, and was really like the driving force behind their whole season. Right. And, and, uh, Hey, like at the end of the day, like if, if they brought back Jonathan Davenport on tour and if it was enough to, you know, bring in Brandon Overton, who we all know loves his, loves his racing down in the South to be able to travel wherever he needs to travel just to have a chance to get to Eldora and that big four, which didn't turn out, but still, if, you know, to, to have two of the, of the biggest names in our sport um, want to follow that format and to have it end the way it did. Um, no, I don't think a champion should come down to one race, but gosh, darn it. Like <laughs> if, if that's what it took to, to, to have the series as best, driver roster possibly ever and to have it end the way it did on sunday even after three full days of rain um if i'm you know lucas oil i would say it was it, it was worth it yeah love it or hate it it got the people talking we had dramatics and i feel like the only time we can have dramatics with that magnitude has to be at the big e eldora speedway if they do run it again we have the same format next year at Eldora. Let's just hope for better weather, and then it's not a marathon, and then we can have it just a you know more of a fair uh, thing. Other with without Mother Nature coming into play, just kind of you know ruining the party and the fun. But it was nonetheless, it was fun, it was exciting. Brandon Shepard wins his first fifth dirt track. Hudson O'Neill is your champion. Kovac, one more thing, we'll lead off with you, buddy. What do you got for us? He might be muted. Uh oh. I did a Derek. Hey. I did a Derek there. I did a Derek. I wanted to mention one more. Th I, can I, I'm going to do a one more thing in the dirt track first here because uh, you didn't come back around to me, Derek. I wanted to mention one more thing here. We each you. got the talk three you. times. We're doing yeah. it even. Three well, times I, each. 
I, I just hadn't mentioned uh, Bobby Pierce yet, too. You know, I mean, he the $1 million man there. He nearly uh, was able to take the win there, too. I mean, he got up to the lead and then something bound up in the, like the drive shaft and the transmission or something. It just wasn't right. And then he ends up running out of gas anyway uh, with uh, five to go and which his father didn't even know it. I was, it was so it was kind of funny when I uh, it was five to go and I was walking on the back part of the pits. I'm walking, uh, you know, like through there towards the, you know, main victory lane media center and Bob's already walking back with his signal sticks and he's walking back to the trailer. And I'm like, what happened? He goes, Oh, I think it was an axle. I think we broke the axle. And then someone yelled from the trailer above him and they said, Bob, you ran out of gas. And Bob's like, what? You know, like Bob didn't even realize, cause I think, you know, Bob had probably, he'd been over there and turned three, uh, you know, with, uh, with the signaling. That's what, that's like the, the designated signaling area. And so he didn't even realize that Bobby was actually going back on the racetrack. He thought he had actually broke, uh, you know, a mechanical thing. And I thought that was just a little good, funny sidelight, but, uh, and, and Bobby did also mention after the race, that uh, I think you mentioned uh, how it reminded you of, uh, of of the indoor race at the Dome. And that's what he said. He goes, that was as rough. That was like when the rough race track, uh, when, the, when the gateway when gateway is as rough as it is, as it can be. And only thing is, this is a half mile race track that you were bouncing around. That made it a little, a uh, little different. But yeah, just want to throw that out there too. My one more thing, official one more thing here, I'll get. Uh, I, I, as I kind of said, alluded to there bobby pierce he's a million dollar man ricky thornton's going to be a million dollar man this year and it looks like we're going to have a third million dollar driver in a single season right now with hudson winning that two hundred thousand dollars uh plus the 20 for for second place he's at about right about mark richard says he's about right at nine hundred fifty thousand dollars, give or take a little bit and so he's gonna he will get over a million because all he needs is a few you know point you know, a little bit of point money from uh, XR in, in the flow racing, uh, uh, night in America. Wow. And he has a few races left. So we're going to have three guys over a million dollars. I don't think there's any others. I don't, I don't think anybody else is going to be able to go over that mark, but, um, uh, that's, that's pretty impressive after just, uh, you know, one before this, and this is uh, already the, the best, uh, earnings for, uh, for the Rocket Chassis house car team, they had you know, 840,000 back in 2019 with Brandon Shepard was the most they'd ever had. And now here we got, it's going over a million dollars, three teams, three drivers. One's 23 years old too. You know, they 23 year old. I mean, well, geez, all of them. Ricky's 33, 26 years old for, uh, for Bobby and 23 for Hudson. These young guys are making some more money, big money. Yeah, that's pretty incredible that we're going to get, you know, possibly three guys over a million dollars. Quite insane. But, you know, not much money in racing. People complaining about that as well, too, which is, you know, going to show them if you're good, you're successful, you can make some money. Uh, My one more thing is, so during the racing on uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, Jason Fager had a kind of a hard hit in the backstretch wall, kind of like towards where the, you know, cars can exit going into turn three. Didn't really think much about it, but after some videos got leaked out in the replay, uh, Fager got pretty close to hitting somebody, if not according to this to the post, hit the guy. But if you watch the video, this guy take goes flying like he looked like he got hit. Uh, it looks like he's a teenage kid. But Jason Fager got to see him after the race. He signed the right rear quarter panel that uh, hit 
the kid in the shoulder. He was on the other side of the fence. Uh, but crazy video. It went viral. Just want to make sure that people need to be paying attention when stuff like that's happening. Please back away. Uh, that could have been more of a scary incident if, you know, if you didn't hit him in the shoulder and maybe, you know, went through the fence. But uh, cool moment there where Fager hit a kid on a nasty rack, signed a quarter panel or the piece that hit him. But, uh, yeah, just uh, kind of a unique story there. And I'm glad everybody was okay. But just be careful when you're at Eldora or any other racetrack standing on the infield fence. Uh, have your head on a swivel and try not to get hit. But a uh, crazy, crazy kind of moment there that just kind of tells the story of what we saw at Eldora Speedway this past weekend. Uh, Todd, how about you? Uh, so my one more thing is about the the eight leaders there at the Dirt Track World Championship, which, as we noted, was a record for that race. The most most previous to that was five, and that was way back in the first one, way back in 1981. Uh, and so I checked the records for Eldora Crown Jewels. Uh, also, eight is going to be the, the record there, uh, far past anything else. The World 100 twice had five leaders in a race. Uh, first in 1984 when Jeff Purvis won, uh, and then in 2004 when Chubb Frank won. Uh, the Dream has Chad. never had as many as five leaders. They've had four, uh, seven times, uh, most recently in 2019. So eight, eight leaders is going to be a standard that, uh, uh, and if we have to endure a race like that, maybe we, we don't want to see that again. But uh, but that's certainly going to be a standard that's going to be hard to break in any kind of uh, uh, any kind of dirt race you see. Yeah, a lot of leaders, uh, a lot of scenarios that made new leaders. If we do have those type of leader changes and we get to nine, uh, let's just actually have a, like a nice battle where they're going back and forth and, you know, everybody's just throwing haymakers and sliders and no one has to drop out. A uh, cool stat there, Todd. Kyle, finish it off for us. You're the, you're the cleanup man. All right. So Bedford had their 23,000 to win Keystone Cup over the weekend. Kyle Hardy led 51. Of the 60 laps, but he didn't drive away with it. Um, there was some last corner drama between he and Dylan Yoder, for those that don't know about it. Um, Kyle Hardy did what he needed to do. Gave uh, Dylan Yoder a little hip check going into uh, the final turn there, final corner. And uh, shot a Dylan Yoder up the racetrack and uh, didn't tear like anything up. Uh, it wasn't all that egregious, but certainly Kyle Hardy afterward definitely uh, admitted that you know he knew what he was doing <laughs> to to secure that twenty three thousand dollar payday, his largest of his career. So uh, I have a story on that um, up on Dirt on Dirt. So make sure to check check that out. And then uh, I have another one more thing too. I think we're surrounded by a Hall of Famer here today, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, the wow. Our, so, um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, well, thanks for mentioning that, Kyle. It's it's quite an honor to uh, uh, to be big selected shot. for that class of 2024 next year. To uh, Todd oh. for for. Oh, we got uh, we got Kyle skipping there a little bit i think he's back now but we got the gist of it you know todd turner hall of fame and todd if you want me to you know induct you say a few words i've done it for weaver in the past but i will make sure this uh my intro speech will be a lot less uh longer than james essex's uh hall of fame speech he would still be talking if we didn't cut him off and just started clapping up 
kudos to you. You've worked your butt off in this sport for a long time. Uh, you deserve it a uh, whole bunch. So next next year at the North-South 100, a track very close to Todd. So that'll be exciting times. I think, Kovac, have you ever been to the – you might have to go this year. You've never been, have you? Yeah. I've never been to that. No, that's always been Todd's or Allie. Uh, uh, she will, like, always cover that. Um, it, it will be interesting. It'll be, maybe it'll be a big part. I, I am disappointed that the headline, though, of the, the Hall of Fame story in the splash box on Dirt on Dirt, I thought it would be something different. I thought it would be see. I thought it would be Turner, others uh, get nominate get uh, induct or 2020-24 inductees to the Hall of Fame. I thought he would just put it like that. Maybe like put three pictures of himself. But Todd didn't do it. He he's he's too humble for that. He he didn't he didn't uh, put himself in the headline. Congrats to the the new class, uh, Todd. Thank though you. I think they should put the they should put the photo of when they make the announcement that somebody posted on social media and you got race, why race Jeremy Peters next to you. And he's kind of like yeah. clapping. I don't know if you saw that. That was a great photo as well. <laughs> yeah. But they need to put in the hall of fame. He was pumped up for you. Yeah. I, I, I didn't see that photo. You have to send that to me. Yeah. Jeremy was yep. right there. Uh, it was a little bit, it was a little bit odd to be posting the hall of fame story and photos <laughs> announcing that for me, but, uh, but I managed to uh, get through it and put a, and put a headline that was uh, a little more fitting than Kevin might have suggested. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm, Todd if I'd have posted, I'd have put that headline. I'd put Turner first. Turner to the hall. That's what it would say. Yeah. Uh, regardless, congrats to Todd. Congrats to Hudson O'Neill for winning the Lucas Oil Championship. Congrats to Brandon Shepard on winning his fifth Dirt Track World Championship, tying the great late Freddie Smith. This weekend, we kind of have a little slower weekend than this past. Uh, we got a few races, but uh, be sure to keep your browsers locked in to Flow Racing and DirtOnDirt.com. Uh, the next big-time event uh, will be right around the corner. So just make sure that you have uh, your websites. Make sure you uh, watch these guys' stories, and be sure to check it out. Uh, until next week, this is the Dirt Reporters. Thank you for watching.